Ladies and gentlemen, we are celebrating a day that is two years in the making. We are celebrating episode 100 of the While We Were Working show. Thank you so much to our community who engages with this show weekend and week out. Our guests who have made this show a delight and have lent their expertise. Uh, team members along the way who have shared their perspective and shared a little bit about the Jumpstart brand and how we help customers day in and day out. And of course, I've got to thank my awesome co-host, Summer Ketron, who is our consulting practice manager here at Jumpstart. I am your host, Joey Price as well. But Summer, we did it. A hundred episodes. Can you believe it? Oh my gosh, Joey. It's been such an amazing journey. I really cannot believe that almost two years has gone by as fast as it has. And to think about when we started just imagining ideas for the show, uh, you know, I think we, we got to a point, you know, just thinking, why don't we simply just share the same conversations that we have on our calls about a variety of topics and situations that come up and like, let's not overthink it. Let's just, let's just share these conversations in, you know, kind of a low production way that is easy to understand for people to relate to. Oh my gosh, two years later, Hugh. Two years later, uh, we peaked uh, on the U.S. charts at, I believe, uh, number 21 in business or 32 in business. Uh, we have been on charts all across the globe. Uh, I've seen Germany. I've seen Canada. I've seen France. So it is so cool to chart in places that don't even speak English as a primary language. But knowing that our impact is being felt all across the world in our mission to help people get more excited about Monday than they are about Friday, it is truly surreal. So uh, I just wanted to take a moment and celebrate uh, as we should. And I can't wait for our retreat this year where we'll do another live show and we'll have to celebrate this milestone even then. Uh, We've got a great show for you today. If you're tuning in for the first time or if you are a long standing member of our community. And I also want to give a shout out to a special 19 year older who recently gave us a five star review on the show. You know who you are. Thank you very much. Uh, but for today's show, we are going to talk about the recent Nobel Prize winner. Her name is Claudia Golden and give her thoughts on the economic policy around closing the gender pay gap. Then we're going to transition into Salta's Corner and talk about a question we received from a listener about how to deal with difficult employees who give ultimatums and are just generally unhappy. So we've got a long power packed episode for us to get into. Let's jump into it. Summer, do you want to lead the way with while we were working? Of course I would. And welcome everybody to our show number 100. It's uh, going to be an amazing show. And if this is your first time joining us, the While We Were Working segment of our show is where Joey and I scour the web, uh, television, news, 
blogs, we try to sift through it all to pick one topic on our show that we feel is really important for us to talk about as it relates to the people leadership space. And we think everybody's so busy these days. We know you're busy working. Uh, You may have missed it. And so that's how we got our name for the While We Were Working segment. And just about two weeks ago, uh, Bloomberg put out an article titled, Claudia Golden says, economics is for everyone. Her ideas are closing the pay gap. And as Joey mentioned, Claudia Golden did recently win Nobel Prize for her work researching the gender pay gap. And it was, um, you know, pretty big deal. Uh, considering that she won this prize as an individual. And it's on a topic that, uh, you know, us in the people leadership space care so deeply about. Really great topic to talk about. And I encourage you to seek out more information on the research that she Yes, definitely do that. And, you know, for those of you who may not know, every year across the globe, we celebrate Equal Pay Day. And Equal Pay Day is a symbolic day where we, I shouldn't say celebrate, but maybe highlight or call attention to the wage gap that exists from year to year. It shows the amount of money that the average median woman must work in order to have earned the average median amount that a man did the entire previous year. So typically what happens is from January to December, Uh, the average median man makes X amount of money. And unfortunately, we have to commemorate from January until sometime into the next year is the date that the average median woman actually earns the same amount that that man did in the prior year. But someone who is helping to close that gap is Claudia Golden. And I, you know, I read the article, but I've been following her work for a while. And I I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is really HR's role in closing the uh, gender pay gap. I think we could do a lot by way of posting, you know, job ranges or salary ranges on job descriptions. So having pay transparency when it comes to uh, advocating for opportunities for professional development and coaching, not overlooking our the women on our team, and just thinking of ways to make sure that we are doing everything we can to strengthen and develop our the women in our organizations so that there isn't this discrepancy of pay between the man and a woman. Um, so I just, you know, my hat goes off to uh, Ms. Claudia. It's no surprise, I think, that she won this Nobel Prize because it's a serious topic that we are facing today, yesterday. Unfortunately, we'll continue to, to see it in the in the future. And some I know that you have some some specific highlights from the article, but I think we're at this place because what COVID forced us to pay attention to, and I know we're years removed from the pandemic, but it forced us to pay attention to the fact that research has shown, article has shown that there is the unpaid labor that women have at work, as well as the the gender pay gaps that we experience in work. And so we have just collectively not done well by women and the efforts and talents that they contribute to our uh, households and to our uh, workplaces. And so the best thing we can do 
I, I had a, a mentor that says comprehension begins with conversation. And so comprehending the untracked dollar amount or untracked dollar value of unpaid labor at home and the uh, burden that plays on on our our women at work and then having to then face gender inequality with pay. I don't want to mansplain, but I'm just so grateful that uh, Claudia has won this award. Uh, kudos to her and her work. And I'm grateful that she inspires many many of our colleagues in this space to to close the gap. Summer, what do you what do you think? It is so great that we're talking about this and you know so so proud that this very important work uh, that she's been doing as you mentioned for some time uh, won a prize and I, I think for me it's it's really important because she has, you know, been able to answer some questions that we have not had answers for before. And as HR pros I think now having some of the answers to understand why the pay gap exists, it now gives us, it, it equips us better to now start to solve it in better ways than we could in the past. So if I was to uh, really, really high level summarize what I took away from the article, Claudia mentioned that even if we remove, say, all of the bad actors all of the um, illegal harassment and discriminatory practices that are related to the pay gap, there is still, in fact, a very large difference even after you remove all of that. And, you know, essentially what she's discovered is that the large difference uh, between men and women um, actually happens when they have kids. But actually up to that point, they're pretty they're, they're still pretty similar and it's because things change uh, with a family and the care duties that women disproportionate, uh, disproportionately take on. You know, Joey, this really got me thinking because, you know, I started to reflect back on kind of my own life story. And I do remember being young and thinking, okay, I was very career minded, very career focused. I didn't have kids yet. And I actually had this thought on my mind. Okay, do I have kids earlier in my career when I'm earning less and I'm out of the labor market for a number of years versus waiting until later when I'm further along in my career? And I actually had been thinking about that. So hearing Claudia's research and, you know, thinking about, gosh, like I actually had similar thoughts like long, long ago. I personally chose to have my kids very young because I felt like the time that I'd miss in the workforce at an earlier stage in my career, I'd have more time to catch up in terms of the pay gap, you know, in kind of more senior level positions that the gap tends to widen. Yeah. So, you know, kind of talking a little bit, Joey, about um, what, you know, Claudia essentially mentions is that you know, there are some other countries like in Northern Europe, as well as some other places where there's daycare that's heavily subsidized. And it goes a long way in providing the support and resources that, you know, working moms need to essentially be equal partners in the workplace. And, you know, Joey, how many companies do you know of that offer something similar here in the U.S.? Very few, very few. And yeah, I'm racking my brain trying to figure that one out. I don't know too many that operate. Right. And, 
you know, I think theirs is subsidized by the government. But, you know, as advisor for businesses, I think the first takeaway I had was, okay, you know, we focus so much on other benefits. But if we are to truly make a commitment to try to, you know, close this gap, what I'm hearing is we need to provide support to parents as a whole to help them with their child care needs. So, and, you know, paid leave of absence programs so that they can take the time off and they can, you know, continue to be equal partners or, you know, work towards being equal partners in the workplace. It's a really interesting thought. Well, I, you know, our community is probably nodding their heads and clapping and applauding and, you know, aligned with this message. But maybe can we share some practical tips for HR or for uh, people leaders to to help close the gap and help be an ally? What are your what are the things that we can we can do? Yeah, I think you touched on them a little bit, you know, kind of earlier in the show. But one of the common themes in Claudia's research is kind of the importance of flexible work. Claudia, you know, talks a lot about the term greedy jobs and that it's, you know, women who were typically penalized by the existence of these greedy jobs. And what she means by that is, you know, the the rate or the hourly wage increases for greedy jobs with the number of hours that are worked, say, like evenings, weekends, holidays, you know, essentially those jobs that doesn't really matter what you have going on in your life, your work 100% comes first, those tend to pay more. And it's typically women who, you know, as we talked about, disproportionately take on, you know, the family care duties, they're not able to take those jobs. Kind of going back to where the flexible work ties in, right, is that now with there being more flexible work arrangements, they're able to take on more of those jobs. And that in a, in like just kind of a slice of, you know, closing the gap is starting to make some progress. So I think it's organizations being willing and able to offer flexible work is definitely going to help. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. So so we can play our part to make it happen and continue Claudia's work. So thanks for this insightful article that you shared for us to, to talk about today. And a reminder for us to all play our part. Let's jump into our consultant's corner and think through something that we come across from time to time, and that is the difficult coworker. Uh, it's more prevalent than we might imagine, and uh, leaders who are listening to this will probably be nodding their head and saying, I've run into some, some knuckleheads or some angry people. Uh, but I wanted to share just the impact of disgruntled and angry employees. Um, disgruntled employees, uh, Gallup says they can cost businesses up to $450 to $550 billion annually due to lost productivity. The CIPD, which is our, our friends in, in the UK, 52% of employees believe they would perform better if they were dealt with more fairly. So that's, you know, thinking about the angry manager who doesn't quite know how to talk to people. But get this, Summer, 27% of employees quit their jobs due to unresolved conflict at work. So a quarter of staff is turning over because we're just not 
facing what needs to fa- be faced. So we got a, a, a note in from one of our listeners that how do I deal with difficult employees? You know, the type that makes demands, ultimatums, and seems to be happy, no matter unhappy, no matter what. I can't ignore it, but don't know where to start. So what we've prepared for our community is a framework to respond to difficult employees. And obviously context matters, situation matters, relationships matter, but this sort of framework will help you get on the right path for how to manage these relationships, hopefully turn them around for the better. But as Summer will say at the end, you know, you might need to part ways. So Summer, you want to kick off the first thing on our framework and then I'll go follow up with the second. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks, Joey, for getting us started. And thanks everybody for joining our show this week. I think the number one and the first is having open dialogue. It should be a surprise, but I think it's creating that safe space for team members to come to you and share their thoughts and share their concerns in a way that they know um, they'll have the time and space to do that safely. It's, it is the most important thing. And, you know, this isn't the time to really provide, in my opinion, a, a lot of response. This is really just hear them out, hear them out, take notes, soak it in. And it's totally okay to take time afterwards, you know, to kind of pause and reflect, especially if your initial reaction, like if it's a really emotional meetings. And yes, if you've got upset employees, like there's going to be emotions. So just just take it in. The conversation is the best way that you can start these sorts of things. And um, hopefully you have a lot of trust with the employee. But if not, you know, there still should be that mutual respect for being team members. And I know this can go both ways, whether it, or I guess more than both ways, it could be uh, employee to manager, it could be manager to employee, or it can be peer to peer. But open dialogue is, next thing we want to think about is having a feedback mechanism. So uh, creating a structured feedback mechanism where employees can voice their concerns without fear and without retaliation. So whether that be a, a portal or a person, people reach out to us because we are considered neutral third parties. And so whether, you know, that is the case to, to reach out to Jumpstart to help, but having a place to go where employees feel safe is the number one thing you can do to, or I guess the number two thing, but having that mechanism in place to have conversations or start conversations based on how people are feeling. Have you ever had to, or have you, have you ever used a, a feedback system? I, I have, I would say more informally. I think, you know, the organizations that I've worked with, you know, tend, you know, tend to be a little less structured. And I think sometimes, you know, going from nothing to something super structured doesn't feel natural to them. But I do agree with you know, the importance of uh, structured feedback um, or ongoing feedback, right? And one of the things that I always encourage team members, you know, when they, when they bring 
you know, a frustration or a concern or a problem forward is not overlooking the importance of asking for their advice on like, how would they fix it? Or what are some possible solutions? I mean, I think ultimately they, even if they may not share it, they probably have an idea. And that's a great place to try to figure out like, how do we potentially get to a solution if it's practical? Yeah. So, so um, you, you said something at the beginning, though, about working with brands that aren't as um, maybe as, as, as big or structured. And that's okay because that actually helps make this idea be more ex- accessible to all organizations. You know, we're not talking about you know, here are the three vendors that you need to go and spend thousands of dollars to get this feedback structure in place. We're talking about like, hey, create a private Slack or an email address that's monitored or assign a person, right? So it's a, uh, this level of feedback is certainly uh, accessible. So so those are things that you could do. Now, the next thing though is 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 performance management. And Summer, can you share a little bit of insight there? Yes, I would say that, you know, when we talk about framework and you have team members who are disgruntled or angry to uh, be thinking about, you know, consistent with how you've managed performance in the past, of course, is uh, addressing performance if it gets to the level um, of needing to be documented. And because if they are being disruptive, um, if if they are violating your organization's values, um, if they are not overall meeting expectations of what you expect in terms of individuals within your team, it's time to document. And that documentation needs to send a very clear message saying what what this individual is doing that isn't meeting expectations and what needs to change going forward. And that's sometimes a very difficult conversation to have, but if left unaddressed, Joey, we've seen it time and time again, if you ignore it, it never gets better. And then when you finally get to addressing it, it's much more difficult than had you started in the very beginning. Am I right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, these small issues never go away. They just compound into bigger ones. And what happens, unfortunately, is if you don't address a small issue, it starts to erode into the culture of your organization and it makes it so that your team members lose confidence in your ability to manage the difficult employee. I can think of uh, some companies who might have called us too late, but we had one company that we worked with. It was a, 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 a notable nonprofit and there was a employee who was effectively a sort of a a bully boss and the executive director of that organization felt like their hands were tied because this person was you know effective in their job but they weren't effective in leading people and so what we wound up doing is uh, something exploded so big that it required me to mediate between that person and uh, their employee that they had an issue with. And unfortunately, the situation was was just uh, beyond repair. And what happened is they both wound up uh, leaving the organization because 
uh, they both felt like the leadership did not support them in, in either side. So tracking performance, getting it on paper, speaking about it, coaching it is, a, is an important thing to do to ensure that you are on top of things. That's it. Yeah. So the next thing is, you know, once you set something in place for performance management, you next want to find resources and ways that people can support by way of training and development. Because it's one thing to call out an issue. It's another thing to be in a position to resource that person towards growth. I always uh, aim for pips not being fatal, but for them being transformative. And the way that you do that is you resource people to make sure that they um, get what they they need to learn. Um, so opportunities for training and development could be on conflict resolution, communication skills, emotional intelligence. We have a, a certified DISC coach who can help people learn how their communication styles might be hindering their relationships with their team members. And so you would definitely benefit from from reaching out to us about that. But um, anger management, um, that's another aspect of uh, training and development so that someone who identifies that they have the symptoms of, you know, being a, a, a bad boss or colleague that's hard to work with, just giving them the tools to transform their life and turn themselves around is incredibly important. And that could be anything from LinkedIn learnings to working with therapists to books, uh, self-development classes, you name it. Training and development is another pillar on the framework for dealing with uh, difficult employees. Yes. And I'll go ahead and take the next one, which I'm a huge advocate of, and that is um, the employee assistance programs. You know, when you think about team members who are disgruntled or angry, uh, supporting them in a way um, that makes it easy for them to access mental health support is just another way to help navigate this difficult situation. Because whether it is, you know, solely things at work that are troubling this team member or things at home, outside of work or combination of both, they're equipped um, to assist them on all fronts. So I think you know, the EAP um, and the support that they provide is an essential piece to the framework. Uh, but I know we have two more. So, Joey, you want to take the next one? Yeah, I mentioned this earlier, but mediation. Mediation is important if you are looking for ways to respond to severe conflict. Uh, if something has gotten so big that no party in the organization feels like they can touch it, you, you want that neutral third party in or a mediator to facilitate a resolution. Um, this is super important because uh, ultimately this begins to be the part where things are escalated almost beyond control. And so you want to be sure to tap into your network, tap into referral sources, people who can provide the solution of getting you exactly what you need in order to be successful. I go back to that story of having to support that, that team member who felt betrayed by management 
and the boss who felt betrayed by management. And as as crazy of a predicament as that was, they ultimately felt better that each side was heard. But it still, still, still was not a fun process. And I do feel good that I was able to talk to them and let them get their feelings out in the open. But uh, like I said, it was it was very, very tough, but healing. It was tough, but healing. So I just I just say all of that to say, you know, a mediator might be your best bet because at that point, things are beyond control. And there is a, a saying that we say here, one of our values is that we bring clarity from the clouds. So when there are situations where people are uh, unclear of what next best steps are, we help. But 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 yeah, you, you want a mediator. You want somebody who can help you and uh, not have this be a lingering uh, explosion. Kind of like, you know, the glass breaking and helping to put the pieces back together. We've, we've served in that role quite, quite often with our clients or really any organization, you know, that's reached out to us even on a, like, you know, for a one-time need because having a neutral third party is very important to, you know, kind of de-escalating the situation at that point. And I would say, you know, if you're an organization and you've followed all of this framework and you still haven't yet to make progress with a team member, unfortunately, you know, you may be at a point where parting ways with the team member is the only viable solution at that point. So, you know, if you've um, attempted all of these things and, of course, uh, hopefully have documented that this team member's performance is not meeting expectations, I think if you need to part ways, then um, that's okay. Uh, I have had, you know, a handful of team members over the years that Unfortunately, we have got to that point and it's, you know, it's just kind of coming to an agreement at a certain point that if they're not happy there, uh, then those around them are likely suffering and they deserve to be happy and it may be time for them to move on to something that they can find joy in and, and that's okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's truly, truly, um, my word for it is liberation, being in a position where you allow someone to pursue an environment that they feel like they can thrive. And if they're just coming up against resistance in your business, then, uh, you know, it's almost a disservice to try to keep them there. So this is your framework. This is how you deal with the difficult employee. This is how you deal with the one who gives ultimatums. Starts with communication and conversation, putting plans in place, and then ultimately, you know, thinking about next steps and, uh, if things don't turn around, what does that look like to part ways? And as always, Jumpstart, we've got your back. So if that means needing to recruit and find a replacement because the person didn't work out, hey, that's okay. We've got the skills and abilities to place talent in your organization uh, in a, a fast and effective manner. Um, but if it's getting into the thick of things with you and helping with the coaching, the performance management, the training and development, uh, we're able to do that as well. So uh, consider reaching out to us at jumpstart-hr.com or sending us an email at hello at jumpstart-hr.com. 
So this was episode 100 in the books. And Summer, again, thank you so much for making all these episodes happen. And to our community for engaging with us every step of the way. We see your YouTube comments. We see your reviews. We see your likes and follows and all those things on the, on the internet. And it means a lot. So until next time, have a great week. Thanks, everyone.